This is an important announcement about Bring Back V10s. Your favourite classic F1 podcast is back for a second series, with episode one launching on Thursday, August the 13th. Stand by for a random conversation about McLaren team orders in the 1990s to get you into the groove. The countdown is on to series two of Bring Back V10s. We'll have another 11 episodes for you where we look back in great depth at classic or forgotten F1 stories. And as we did in our first series, in our final episode, we'll take your questions on any topic from 1989 to 2005, the V10 era of F1. This mini episode is just to let you know series two is coming very soon. And also to thank you for all the great feedback we received when the podcast launched earlier this year. Keep your comments and questions coming in using the hashtag BringBackV10s on Twitter. And if you'd like to show your support, why not leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice? To show our gratitude, we've dug out a question someone asked in one of our reviews on Apple Podcasts. Jamie Chattel asked us how we think McLaren's team orders to ask David Coulthard to let Mika Hakkinen through in the final race of 1997 and the first race of 1998 affected Coulthard's career. To help me, Glenn Freeman, answer that, I'm joined by the man we can't shake off at Bring Back V10's, Ed Straw. Ed, welcome back. Anyone who listened to Series 1 will realise how much enthusiasm you have for this era of F1. Are you all revved up and ready to go again? Oh, massively so. These are always great fun to do, really interesting. I actually prefer the episodes I'm not on because I can listen to them as a complete outsider. So actually, in that regard, to be fair, it's probably much the same experience for the listeners as they prefer the ones I'm not on. But uh, anyway, we've got that much in common. But yeah, raring to go. Yeah, I certainly prefer the ones you're not on as well, but we're stuck with each other. Let's look at Jamie's question then about Coulthard. For context, in the 1997 European Grand Prix at Jerez, DC was asked to move aside to let Hakkinen through, and they both then went on to pass the limping Williams of Jacques Villeneuve before the finish. It gave Hakkinen his first win, something he'd missed out on occasions during the year, mainly due to Mercedes engines blowing up, if we're honest. Former McLaren team manager Dave Ryan says he was told in no uncertain terms to give Coulthard the order to move over, and that it was a chance for Ron Dennis to give Mika a win, but at David's cost. Coulthard said in a BBC segment on Team Orders in 2010 that the thing that really annoyed him about this incident was there was no mention of it before the race, so he spent a long time, in his words, negotiating while the race was going on. Ed, do you think there was any justification for McLaren trying to give Hakkinen back a win, given that he had retired from the lead of a few races earlier that year not really because it doesn't work like that does it there's not some kind of (laughs) balance sheet that you're constantly updating it's true Mika lost a number of wins people forget actually how many he probably missed out on a shot of during 97 but there's there's no debt to be paid in terms of costing Coulthard a victory in itself I don't really think that fact is relevant because that whole race, the end of it anyway, was just this farce of collusion. So it hardly counts as a fair race win, whoever took it. In fact, actually, Coulthard was the only podium finisher standing in the right place, you could argue, (laughs) uh, at the end of the race. What you can't deny is the impact it had on DC, the message it sent out, the fact that it confirmed what I think he's referred to in the past as the the paranoia that Mika was the the team's, or rather Ron Dennis's, favoured son. Yeah, and of course, Australia 98 was the very next race and is probably much more famous because you have that image of the cars swapping positions. Now, in this race, the McLaren drivers were under orders not to race each other because the dominant MP413, Adrian Newey's first McLaren, hadn't completed a race distance in testing. So they were barely trying in the race, but still lacked the field. 
and the deal was that they would hold station after the first corner, with whoever led at the start not being challenged. Hakenham was leading the whole way until he mistakenly came in for a pit stop and fell behind Coulthard. Coulthard was then ordered to let Hakenham back through, which he did with a couple of laps to go. There's some contention around what actually happened here. Coulthard said on the official F1 Beyond the Grid podcast that Hakenham misheard a message from his engineer Mark Slade. While in 2007, Ron Dennis claimed that McLaren's radio system was hacked and Hakenham was given a rogue message to come into the pits. So that's why he thought it was only fair to swap the positions back. Ed, which of those two tales do you believe? You heard, I think, current McLaren boss Zach Brown referred to the hacked airwave story quite recently. Yeah, he mentioned it in a webinar uh, he participated in for sponsor Darktrace. He cited it as an example of why cybersecurity is important for F1 teams, even though it's an audio rather than some kind of data breach. Now, the radio breach, it always sounded quite convenient. And there's obviously that competing suggestion about the misheard radio call. Both are very plausible. I wouldn't imagine the team would continue to propagate it if, if there wasn't some truth to it. And probably if that's what happened at the time, McLaren wouldn't really want that to get out because it just showed there was a vulnerability. And other teams might think, oh, hang on, we could call a leader in at a convenient moment. You wouldn't really want to expose yourself to that. So we can give them benefit of the doubt on that. It would be an extraordinary story to have, to have made up, uh, certainly. But it doesn't actually make material difference to what caused it because the upshot was Mika came in. He shouldn't have done. He did. DC was ahead. But I found this idea that this this agreement they had about whoever gets to the first quarter first wins argument to justify it completely fallacious because that's an agreement designed to stop your drivers fighting. They didn't want them battling and pushing because the car wasn't reliable. It hadn't done a race distance pre-season. But if Hakkinen had spun or had a punch or some other mishap, you wouldn't argue it's applied. So I, I think for this one, DC's case is, is far stronger. And of course, on top of that, you have what it means for his understanding of his position in the team, Hakkinen's connection with Ron Dennis, etc., etc., etc. So I think that agreement was probably, again, a, a convenient excuse because I, I just don't think it applied in that situation, even if Mika Hakkinen obviously was the driver who was in the position to win that race, having stayed ahead at the first corner. A curious one. And a bit unfortunate that these two races happen to run into each other. Yeah, I think it's telling that if you ask Coulthard about that one today, he says that he definitely shouldn't have given that place back. But he was a team player and that's probably why he was at McLaren for so long. Now, interestingly, Coulthard also says today that with as well as with hindsight, he wouldn't have moved over in Australia. He does say that these moments affected his relationship with McLaren. The story I've always found telling, though, is one that he's told and it's in his book as well. Uh, from the Monaco Grand Prix in 1998, when he witnessed the McLaren garage erupt in celebration when Hakkinen took pole, having snatched it away from Coulthard. DC says he spent a long time trying to get Ron Dennis to admit that he had a closer personal connection with Hakkinen because he felt, as you mentioned earlier, Ed, it was so obvious. One day, Dennis finally admitted to him that he felt a fatherly connection to Hakkinen because Mika had nearly died in one of his cars after the horrible crash at Adelaide in 1995. And Coulthard said that actually hearing it, hearing Ron admit it, made it easier to deal with. Now, Ed, we're already going on for longer than we intended, which is classic bring back V10's behaviour. So lastly, do you think these moments made any difference in the long run to who did the bulk of the winning for McLaren? Do you think without her F97 and Australia 98, 
Would it have ended up being Coulthard who won back-to-back titles for McLaren? I think that's a really difficult question to answer. DC at his best was a remarkable driver, capable of taking it to Schumacher, anyone really, on his day. But he never reached that level consistently enough. Had he benefited from unwavering love and support of the team in every way and the, the intangible and tangible benefits that brings, there's no doubt that would probably have raised the average performance level. But the question is, by how much? We've got no way to test that. Hakkinen was stunningly fast over a lap when things were right. Probably one of the very fast ever so I doubt it would have been enough to to flip that whole dynamic on its head and I doubt it would suddenly mean that DC would be winning all those extra races in a title or two but that said these drivers who had it in them to be so remarkable on a given weekend but not always replicate it are, are constantly fascinating aren't they he's very self-effacing about his ability but I do wonder if he's as puzzled as anyone by the fact he could utterly nail it one day not so the next it's probably easier to accept if you're consistently behind, actually, because it just makes sense. And there were wonderful wins along the way. France 2000, Monaco 2002, Interlagos 2001, just to throw in a few. It's a mystery that will never be answered. But regardless of what happened at Hereth or Australia, I think they were effect, not cause. The cause was the relationship Hackenden had with the team. And while certainly Hereth and Australia magnified that, they brought it to the surface, they confirmed, I think, what DC already suspected was there. So probably they accelerated it. I don't think they caused it. I don't think they they fundamentally changed it. Perhaps it was a catalyst to accelerate the impact. But that dynamic between particularly Ron Dennis and Mika Hakkinen was there all the way back to the, the crash at Adelaide uh, back in 1995. And when push comes to shove, Hakkinen was the driver who was able to perform better over that period for myriad reasons, not just that. So probably it wouldn't have made enough of a difference, but... It's one of those alternate histories you can never really be sure. Perhaps perhaps DC would have got one or two more wins. Perhaps it would have been a, a bigger leap forward and, and he'd have been dicing it with McHackenden for the for the title. Or we'd, we'd have had the McLaren drivers tripping over each other in 98 and 99 and we'd have a Michael Schumacher and an Eddie Irvin championship for those two years. Who knows? That really is an alternative history. But I reckon, I don't think any of what Coulthard describes there was making Hakkinen any faster or slower than, than he would have been anyway. So I think... Mika's speed would have still told ultimately. But yeah, maybe Coulthard would have uh, had a few more second places or had a few more stronger championship seasons. Lastly, Coulthard was promised he would get that Australia win back one day. Well, he was told, I think, that it would be in 98. And uh, it never came. But Hakkinen did pull over and let him through in Hakkinen's final race before retirement in 2001. But that was for a third place, not a victory. And DC thinks Hakkinen just did that so he didn't have to attend the press conference, which knowing Mika and his uh, his sometimes lack of uh, engagement with the media when he was a professional driver, I can totally believe that he didn't want to sit in a press conference when he was about to head to the beach. Anyway, we'll leave it there. Thanks, Jamie, for the question and the five-star review. And if you want to leave a review and submit a question that way, please do, and we'll add them into the mix for our series finale. And also want to say a quick thank you to Graham Kilo for helping us out with some research material for this little chat. We'll be back in a few days with our first proper episode of Series 2, where we'll be looking back at one of the less talked about races from Ayrton Senna's F1 career.